2: It's the California Report magazine. This week on our show, we're reprising a documentary we first brought you back in December. It generated a lot of response from our listeners and changed things for the person at the center of this story. We'll have an update at the end of the episode. Recently, I got a voicemail from somebody who was breathing so heavily, I could hardly tell who it was. I felt my stomach drop when I heard the voice in Spanish. Lungs fighting the coronavirus. It was someone whose story I'd been following for almost two years. Someone whose life I couldn't imagine could get any harder. Now, sick with COVID in the ICU. 26 years old, HIV positive, in and out of ICE
3: detention.
2: Her name is Luna Guzman, and she was calling me to thank me for following her all this time, traveling to a migrant shelter in Tijuana, to an ICE detention center in San Diego, and a tiny drag bar in Modesto. She said if she dies from COVID, She hopes people will remember a little bit about her. I'm Sasha Coca. Today, on the California Report magazine, we devote our whole show to Luna's story. And just a warning this piece contains descriptions of sexual violence. When she turned 15, like so many girls in her town in Guatemala, Luna Guzman celebrated
3: with a quinceanera.
0: My friend lent me the dress because she saw the way I used to cry every time we'd pass the dress shop on the way to school with all of those beautiful dresses. I would just press my hand up against the glass and stare at them for a long time. The
2: dress she borrowed was turquoise, with a long skirt. She took off her tennis and put on heels and a tiara. She and her friends, girls she'd known since kindergarten, listened to the classic song Quinceañera by Thalia. The lyrics are all about growing up, changing into a woman, your body changing. Your dream's changing.
3: We had a cake, two
0: or three bottles of champagne.
3: I had
2: chambelanes. Boys who dressed up in suits to escort her into the party. But no one was there from Luna's family. It was a secret party at a friend's house whose parents were away. Back at Luna's own house, there were no dresses or crowns for her birthday.
3: It it was
2: just a cake and candles. And get get this, the balloons, they were condoms. A joke from her mom about Luna having safe sex. And that, Luna says, was her coming of age as a young woman, a 15-year-old whose mother loved her as a son, totally accepted her as a gay son, but couldn't fathom her as a girl. Those moments, putting on the turquoise dress, the heels, the tiara, still linger in Luna's memory as a time she truly felt delight and freedom. Something to be savored again and again as the next decade began to unfold. Even as she put back on her soccer jerseys and tried to look like the boy she knew she wasn't inside even as she dealt with brutal violence, and even as she decided to take a terrible risk and leave everything behind in Guatemala to try to find a life in California, the one place in the world where she can imagine being safe, being herself. Her story says a lot about how U.S. immigration policy fails when it comes to recognizing people who live outside the gender binary how this country's epic backlog of asylum cases can add to their trauma, about the tenacity it takes to try to come to California from Central America if you're transgender. Luna grew up on the outskirts of a small city in central Guatemala, in a house cobbled together from sticks and newspaper. They cooked over an open fire on the dirt floor. Her mom sold French fries from a cart and Luna helped care for her three siblings, including a brother who had developmental disabilities. Her dad wasn't in the picture. She was a voracious reader, spent hours in the town library, played with other girls in a secret treehouse. At school, they would play dress-up. Luna would transform into a butterfly, her wings made from pieces of cardboard she'd scavenged on the street.
3: La maestra siempre hablaba con mi mamá. Le decía,
0: The teacher would always ask my mom, Listen, can't you change your son? Can
2: you take him to a psychologist? A psychiatrist? It's making my school look bad. By the way, that voice you're hearing in English is Zoe Luna. No relation. She's a pioneering trans actress, and we've asked her to do the voiceover in English for Luna's story. Luna says everyone in her town knew she was different an openly gay kid who referred to herself in the feminine in Spanish. Over the years, she says, neighbors harassed her repeatedly.
3: Some women started throwing rocks at me.
0: I was walking down this narrow street and they wouldn't let me go by because they said I was a bad example for their
3: kids. Some of
0: the women threw water at
3: me.
2: Water with bleach. And one day, when Luna was 13, just on the cusp of adolescence, she says she was raped by an older man who was a neighbor. I
0: would ask, why me?
3: If anyone is up there,
0: explain it to me. Why me?
3: But I never got an answer.
0: I still
2: haven't gotten an answer to this day sex trafficking is rampant in guatemala the u.n has denounced the shocking number of children forced into sex trafficking rings because of poverty and luna became one of them some powerful men in her town forced her into prostitution the clients were older men who Luna says would pay hundreds of U.S. dollars to sleep with young boys and transgender girls. I made them a lot of money. They forced me to use drugs, drugs they would sell to my clients. Guys so much older than me. The traffickers had connections with police, Luna says, so there was nowhere she could complain. Then, when she was 16, she says... She found out she was HIV positive, and she remembers the harassment from her neighbors getting worse. Once she remembers some of them beat her up so badly, they broke her collarbone, telling her they wanted her to behave like a real man.
3: My town
2: is so small, and there was no information about
0: sexual orientation or HIV. No information about anything.
2: It's so close-minded. When she turned 19, she says she was still being forced into sex work sometimes. But she started to take some small steps to wrest back control of her life. She signed up to become a volunteer firefighter, went through the training course, saved money for the uniform. She felt so powerful rescuing people from car accidents, hosing down burning buildings. But then she says the other firefighters found out she was HIV positive and kept taunting her with homophobic slurs.
3: Soñé con venir a California, a San Francisco.
2: I dreamed about coming to California, to San Francisco. She'd seen videos online of San Francisco's massive pride parade. She knew California was a place she couldn't be fired or evicted for being transgender, where she would have the legal right to get an ID in the name she wants to use, or use the restroom that matches her gender identity
3: to follow
0: my dreams not so much to get ahead financially but just to make enough money to pay for my transition to flee the life i
2: lived in Guatemala So one day about 4 years ago she decided to leave her town, leave her family, the fire department, the neighbors, the pimps. She was 22 years old.
3: Mira, siempre nos tomamos fotos.
2: Guatemala? Sí. Mm. Luna shows me pictures from the Mira. journey of her sitting on top of that famous train, La Bestia, that migrants take north. It's easy to pick her out. She's slight with the same gap tooth smile and mischievous glint in her eye. She didn't wear women's clothes on the journey, but as she's done for most of her life, she kept her hair short and wore men's T-shirts and shorts for safety. Presenting as a man didn't always protect her. When Luna made it to Tijuana, it was August of 2017. Back then, she could just walk up to the border crossing and ask for asylum. She told an officer she feared homophobic violence. But Border Patrol officials didn't check the boxes on her intake form, saying she identified as LGBT. And that's where things started to go wrong for her ice put her in the Otay Mesa Detention Center near San Diego, gave her a bed in a crowded men's unit. Ten days after being taken into custody, an asylum officer vetted her story and found her credible. She told the officer she was gay, HIV positive, and was afraid she would be harmed in Guatemala because she sometimes dressed as a woman. A few weeks later, a trans Latina organization sent a letter of support for her to the immigration court. But Luna was never moved to a special detention unit for trans women. Back in 2015, ICE and the Department of Homeland Security had agreed to improve standards for people who are transgender and give them access to a separate unit.
0: If she had partnered with a skilled asylum lawyer, we would be having a really different conversation right now about her.
2: That's Allegra Love. She's an attorney with the Santa Fe Dreamers Project, which has represented hundreds of transgender women in detention. She was never Luna's lawyer, but I reached out to her to ask whether Luna's experience with detention officials was typical.
0: If someone expresses to them, hey, look, I am trans, I have gender dysphoria, I am not the gender you think I am, then the government has this... Responsibility acknowledged by their own hand to take that seriously and protect people from heightened danger.
2: But Luna would spend months in the men's unit before her asylum case would be fully heard in front of a judge inside the immigration court, right in the detention center.
0: Good morning. This is immigration judge Olga Atia sitting in the immigration court in
2: Otai Mesa, California. Day fifty in detention. Luna has an interpreter, but no lawyer.
0: First, you have the right to be represented by an attorney or a qualified representative of your own choosing
2: at no expense to the government. If you didn't catch that, the judge is saying that if Luna wants an attorney, she has to find one and pay for one herself.
3: I want to look for an
1: attorney. Okay, so Day to you-
2: 90 in detention. Luna tells the judge she can't afford her own lawyer, and she's had no luck finding a pro bono one after sending letters to lots of organizations. She has no resources, no network to plug into, and very little understanding of U.S. immigration law, which is about as complicated as tax law.
3: Yes, Your Honor, I am ready to proceed and speak on my behalf.
2: Luna wants to know how long she'll be detained. She reminds the judge she's HIV-positive.
3: Yes, and I ask this because I worry sometimes that I don't get my medication
1: here to control the chronic disease that I, that I have.
3: Unfortunately, I don't have jurisdiction
2: over such matters. Day 156, in detention. Luna finally gets a chance to officially submit her asylum application. You can hear the judge stamp it. There you go, sir. And tell her it looks complete, all questions answered. But then the judge tells her there are no available appointments to hear the merits of her case for another five months. The court's that backlogged. Day 182 in detention. After nearly six months, the judge says Luna can be released on a bond of $4,500. But like many asylum seekers, she has no one to help pay that kind of money. Luna pleads with the judge, telling her being locked up is harming her psychologically.
3: Day 226
2: in detention. Luna does something she never expected to do. She gives up on her asylum case and asks to be deported right away.
3: Voy So then
1: it's going to be about eight months that I've been detained here at the detention center.
3: Me sola, me siento, um, no, no tengo para and
1: I feel alone and I do not have the words to explain to you, Your Honor, uh, I apologize,
0: Your Honor, the interpreter would like to mention.
2: Here, the interpreter takes a pause. She's confused. She thinks Luna's a man because of her appearance and her legal name, but Luna's referring to herself in the feminine in Spanish. The judge asks for clarification, still calling Luna, sir. So, sir, you
0: prefer to be referred to as she or he, please?
3: Exactamente, su
0: señoría. Exactly, Your Honor. do you want a private hearing?
2: Luna may be presenting as a man to protect herself while in detention, but she's clearly indicated in her asylum application that she fears homophobic and transphobic violence. It's only now that the judge seems to clue into the fact that Luna hasn't been totally comfortable expressing her gender identity in front of a courtroom full of other detainees. Still, the judge can't seem to stop calling her sir. Now, you've indicated to the court, sir, that you no longer are interested in pursuing your application for asylum. Is that correct?
3: Así es, señoría. Your Honor.
2: Luna says yes, but you can hear her voice cracking. There's no way to win. She's either got to stay locked up in the men's facility or give up her only ticket to be able to stay in the US. On the plane, ICE chartered back to Guatemala. Luna says she had a panic attack, shaking so badly she could barely walk out onto the tarmac when they landed in Guatemala City. As soon as she could, she got back on buses and trains to begin the long journey north towards California again. I meet Luna several months later on a trip to Tijuana at a migrant shelter called Casa del Migrante. I'm reporting on the migrant caravans at the border, and I interview so many Central American asylum seekers, but something about Luna strikes me. Maybe it's her persistence when she talks about coming to California. The way she can see a future where she can fully transition to become the woman she knows she is inside.
3: I'm a
0: transgender woman.
3: I'm not going to live my life
0: dressed as a boy.
3: No. No, no,
0: no. No, one day, I want everyone who knows me to say, Luna made it. She fought for her
3: dreams.
0: And they came true.
3: In this field, you meet a lot of people um, that are really bitter and really angry at everybody. I mean, it's, it's really understandable.
2: One of the attorneys at this shelter, Cristina Reyes, tells me that of the hundreds of migrants who've come through, Luna stands out.
3: There's these people that really stick out because they, they had these horrible things happen to them and they are still really positive. And I think that's, the thing about Luna that she has this positive energy. But even though she's been hurt many times in the past, she's still like really open to connect emotionally with other people. Sasha, ¿qué tal? Buenas noches. Pues fíjate que salgo noche
2: Luna and I keep in touch over the next few months. She scrapes together enough money for a cell phone, and we trade voice messages over WhatsApp. She tells me she knows her dream of coming to California is probably over because she gave up her asylum case and was deported. But then, a few weeks later, she sends me a video. She's someplace windy, a path in the desert, And I can see the border wall far behind her. Look, she exclaims, I crossed. I'll see you in San Francisco by the Golden Gate Bridge for a coffee. After that, my WhatsApp feed goes quiet for weeks. Then one night, about six months after I started following Luna's story, I get a collect call from a detention center. Press 1 to accept the call. Luna. Hola, como estas? Hola, como estas? Luna is back at Otay Mesa, the detention center just east of San Diego, in the same cell, in the same bed, where she had stayed the year before. After Luna's been in her second stint in detention for about six weeks, ICE grants me permission to interview her. In the waiting room, a guard sits behind a gray metal desk. A sign above his head reads, Hope is the anchor for the soul. Be grateful. After an hour, another guard leads me to a tiny room where Luna is waiting, the word detainee, emblazoned in white letters on the back of her blue uniform. She looks gaunt and exhausted, but her eyes are still bright. She says the sexual harassment here has been a nightmare.
3: Some people here, they touch
2: your
3: butt,
0: your breasts, they look at you when you're taking a shower.
3: They flash us. I don't
0: want to be here anymore. I know if I complain, they won't listen to me.
3: I know if I they won't to
2: Luna tells me she can't afford to buy shampoo or soap or chocolate bars in the commissary. She says other inmates have offered to buy them for her in exchange for sexual favors.
3: I'm not going to do
0: something I don't want to do for a cup of soup that costs 60 cents, or some chocolate, or a packet of oatmeal that costs 30 cents. I'm, I'm not going to have sex with anyone here.
3: There's discrimination
0: on the outside, but here, it's a different world. It's worse.
3: It's
0: a world where discrimination and homophobia and harassment are huge, el acoso. it's way worse than on the outside because you have nowhere to go and get away from it,
3: es peor que you're trapped.
2: What Luna's telling me resonates with a study showing that LGBT migrants are nearly a hundred times more likely to be sexually victimized in detention. Luna says she's spending a lot of her time trying to stay away from people, mostly sleeping. Sometimes dreaming that she's in California, really in California.
3: Estaba soñando que yo ya había salido, que yo estaba fuera, o sea, estaba fuera de acá. Me desperté y luego me I was dreaming that I had gotten out.
0: Then I woke up and saw these four walls. And I was awake, living a nightmare.
2: Luna says the clink of handcuffs, the crackle of the guards' walkie-talkies, has come to haunt her dreams.
3: Listen, you hear that? That sound, como, uh, all the time, day
0: claras. and night.
3: ¿Ya escuchaste cómo suena I'm traumatized el from
0: llaves. hearing it. The sound of the keys. ¿Ajo? Hear it?
3: Eso es todo el all the time. Hasta
0: Even in your dreams. ¿Por you think they're no coming for eso, you, to handcuff you. you.
3: The sound of the keys, the sound of the doors.
0: I can't take it
2: anymore. Her second time in detention, she's only there a couple months. ICE plans to deport her as soon as possible. She crossed without papers after being deported once already. Again, she has no lawyer to advise her what to do, no one to tell her about an alternative to asylum, something called withholding of removal, that she still may have been eligible for. A number of transgender women have won their cases through that process. An official with a megaphone stands in the Guatemala City airport greeting deportees, almost all young men, with a warm welcome, plus a sandwich and an orange soda. Luna gets off the ICE-chartered plane. She counts out four U.S. dollar bills from a plastic bag marked personal property. It's money she says she earned working in the laundry at the detention center. Outside the airport, anxious-looking mothers and grandmothers hug their loved ones. There's no one waiting for Luna, just the Guatemala-based video crew I hired to capture her arrival. People are swarming the deportees, offering to change dollars to quetzales. Luna looks around, dazed and exhausted. Her jaw starts twitching. She brushes her hand over her face, as if to make it all go away. And she gets in a taxi, which takes her to an LGBT organization in Guatemala City that helps deportees. After hearing her story, an intake worker tells Luna it's unsafe for her to stay in Guatemala. He doesn't need to remind her about the trans women who've been murdered recently after being deported back to Central America.
3: Mm -hmm.
2: The best thing to do, he tells her, is to arrange for her to go to a safe house in a secret location where she'll always have someone guarding her. He's worried the traffickers she worked for might have connections in Guatemala City and could track her down. But Luna decides to leave the safe house after just one night. She refuses to feel locked up again. And she wants to get out of Guatemala and try once again to make it to California as fast as she can. And she's found a way to do it, with some money wired to her from an unexpected source of help. It's a Friday night at the Brave Bull, one of the oldest gay bars in California. It's not in San Francisco or LA, but Modesto. A huge old fashioned disco ball twirls above a trio of drag performers in cowboy hats, a guy strumming a guitar, and two very glamorous gals in high heeled boots lip syncing to Ana Barbara's song. Buscando un corazón. I'm looking for a heart. It's a song these drag performers are dedicating to Luna.
1: I just want to say thank you to everyone who comes out to support every time we perform. And a huge shout out to a friend of ours, um, Luna, who is a trans woman who has been deported. And we have been trying to show her so much love all the way from California. Thank you everyone.
2: This surprising crew rooting for Luna is led by a kind of fairy godmother.
1: Miss Dame uh, Amor. Yeah, and my drag mom's name is Miss Mona Lotmore.
2: And a fairy godfather, Tony Rodriguez. (laughs) So is Tony, like, your drag (laughs) stepbrother? I guess.
1: (laughs) I I also have a drag name. Just in case. (laughs) Just in case. Tony's here. (laughs) It has, like, a ring to it, you know, like, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the stage. Just in case
2: these two first heard about Luna when I reported a short part of her story from Tijuana for the California Report back in 2018. Tony's a former truck driver who came to Modesto looking for his own California dream, a place where he could transition.
1: I originally come from the Bronx, and uh, I come from a Puerto Rican family. I mean, back when... um, I was uh, identifying as a lesbian. It wasn't a good thing. I mean, it was, it was pretty terrible. I got kicked out of my house. I had to live out of the trunk of my car. My mother uh, was so angry that she actually tried to yell out my uh, sexual orientation so that people in the neighborhood could hear it so I could have an even worse time. But it was California where I had set my sights because that's just where I knew I could really be the person that I wanted to be. It turns out that for me, it worked out great. I had great support from my coworkers. I had great support from my friends. Then I hear about Luna and I'm like, well, I I had it okay. So, you know, why not help somebody else? So maybe their transition and their journey could be a little bit easier.
2: Tony sent Luna $80 after she got deported, money that helped her make her way back to Mexico.
1: I mean, I couldn't even imagine Luna's situation. I couldn't imagine, like, not having any kind of way to be myself. I don't know. I mean, it takes, like, immense strength to try to um, wake up every morning on your own and, and try to make your own community and, and, and try to live your dreams.
2: Usually, Luna can find that strength, and she's pretty tenacious when she does. But sometimes, she cracks. It's spring 2019 now, and Luna leaves me a voicemail saying she's made her third journey north, to Tapachula in Chiapas, just across the border from Guatemala, She applies to get a humanitarian visa from the Mexican government to allow her to stay there, at least temporarily, and she finds a job making tortillas in a restaurant. Then, a few weeks later, she sends me pictures of an IV in her hand. She's in the hospital with a kidney infection. After she's released, she's still weak, but she tells me she's feeling safe enough to try to dress as a woman again. She meets up with some new friends who are also transgender for dinner at a cafe. Then she calls me at six the next morning. She tells me she was the last one waiting for a taxi after her friends left the cafe. Then a car pulled up. She says five armed men abducted her, took her to a remote area, and raped and beat her, kicking her in the kidneys, where she's still recovering from the infection.
0: Why do I have to suffer so much? Why is life so unfair?
2: She says she sometimes thinks she'd rather just not live anymore than to have to go through any more pain.
0: Every time I try to show who I really am, why does it go wrong? I needed to talk to you, to someone who would understand.
2: I urge her to go to the hospital to tell the police. But she tells me, just like in Guatemala, the Mexican police in Chiapas would probably do nothing. Just laugh at her and say homophobic things. I haven't been able to confirm Luna was raped, because she didn't report it to anybody. And this is part of the paradox for asylum seekers. They're expected to document and prove all the horrible things that have happened to them, when sometimes, in fact, the act of reporting these abuses could put them in more danger. Of course, as a journalist, I have done my best to vet her story. KQED, where we produced the California report, even had to sue the Department of Homeland Security to get her records released from ICE, which we finally did after almost a year. But when it comes to what happened to Luna in Guatemala or Mexico, there's no way to actually prove she was sex trafficked or assaulted. She's been in transit so long, living on the street and in shelters, that she doesn't have much documentation of her life. But Her story is consistent with what others who know her have told me about her, and much of it is echoed in her asylum application and in her health records. It's fall 2019 now, and Luna finally gets some good news. She got the humanitarian visa to stay in Mexico, at least for a year. And the Mexican government has helped her find a bed in a new safe house for LGBT refugees back in Tijuana. It's called Casa Arcoiris, or Rainbow House. I can't visit her there, though, because they want to keep the location secret. So we meet at the section of border fence where she crossed the last time she tried to come to California. She points to squirrels and dragonflies flitting between the slats of the fence between countries without even knowing
3: it. Look
2: at the squirrels coming and going,
0: and that cat. It just crossed the border through the gaps in the fence and then slipped back into Mexico. It's only we humans who don't have that freedom.
2: She takes a rock and bangs on the metal border fence. Listen to that, a solid wall.
0: It's a wall that kills your dreams,
3: it takes away everything. I told myself that when I climbed over this wall,
0: I would leave my past behind,
3: I would be reborn. I
2: ask her what she thinks as she looks through the fence to California. The United
3: States, it's
2: so close, but I can't get
3: there. Look, that's California, but I can't be there. One day I will. It might be
0: 2050 or 2100,
3: but I
2: will get there. We walk down to where the fence stretches into the Pacific, to a mural somebody's painted.
3: It says,
2: says, you are the other me.
3: It means you, the person on the other side of the border. You are my reflection. You are the other
0: me.
2: We're both human.
3: Both
2: have the same feelings. The only difference between us, Luna says, is that you get to live and be who you are on the other side. That was the last time I saw Luna. When COVID-19 hit, she left me a voicemail that she planned to shelter in place with a friend outside of Ensenada. We chatted a bit about the COVID outbreak at Otay Mesa, where she was detained the year before. Among ICE detention centers, it turned out to have one of the biggest outbreaks of COVID— In fact, the first detainee in ICE custody to die of it died there. Hearing that, I felt relieved that Luna was far away from detention, that ironically, being deported may have saved her life. On the other hand, if she were still in detention, she might have been released, as some other transgender detainees have been, to avoid the risk of getting coronavirus. And then I started to see the headlines about cases in Tijuana, the lack of respirators, the huge number of vulnerable migrants. And I got that phone call that Luna had COVID. Then, as it's done so many times over the last two years, my WhatsApp feed with Luna went quiet for weeks. I tried to call the public hospital in Tijuana to track her down, but I couldn't get through. But a few weeks later, Luna left me another message from her hospital bed. They took her off the vent (laughs) Oh
0: God, I thought I was going to die But nope This bitch, Luna She's still here Resisting everything I know this mother virus isn't going to kill me
3: I've got a lot more life in me
0: A lot I still want to say I don't need a ventilator because I'm a strong-ass woman. I've made it through everything. I'm going to make it through this. I'm still here.
2: That was Luna Guzman in a documentary we first brought you last December. Dozens of listeners reached out after hearing her story, sending Luna encouragement and support even some money to help her pay for stable housing in Tijuana. Luna's still dealing with the aftereffects of COVID a year later. She gets out of breath easily, and she has to use an inhaler. She's working part-time these days as a dishwasher. And like many migrants at the border, she's hoping the Biden administration will revamp immigration policies. She's even holding out hope she could reopen her case. But regardless of what happens to her, she's hoping things improve for other transgender people in immigration detention. I co-reported this documentary about Luna with photographer and journalist Erin Siegel McIntyre. You can see her photos and video of Luna at our website, californiareport.org. Luna's words in English were performed by pioneering trans actress Zoe Luna, who found her way to Hollywood after appearing in an HBO documentary about her own quinceanera. This project was supported by a grant from the International Women's Foundation. Their reporting grants for women's stories program is funded by the Secular Society. This story was edited by the California Report senior editor, Victoria León. Sound design and engineering by Rob Spate and Brandon Willard. Our director is Amanda Font. Special thanks to April Demboski, Farida Javala Romero, Bea Gallardo, Taiki Hendricks, Erica Cruz Guevara, Julia McAvoy, Susie Racho, Eddie Perez, Sandia Dirks, Monica Lamb, Anna Vignier, and Joanne Martinez for their editorial input on this story. I'm Sasha Coca. This is the California Report Magazine. Thanks for listening.
0: Hi there. I'm Randa AbdelFattah from Throughline. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained.